This week's Off the Vine is sponsored by GEICO. Go to GEICO.com and in 15 minutes, you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance. Extra money in your pocket? It could just be the most rewarding to-do you do today. Mercari. Mercari is an app you can use to sell the stuff. Mercari makes it fast and easy for anyone to sell and earn some extra cash. Take a few pics, add a description, set a price, and boom, your item is listed. So if you have things you don't use, sell them, ship them, and get paid. Check out Mercari on the app stores or on Mercari.com. And Briars. Try Briars Carb Smart for your next sweet tooth craving. Available at all major retailers, Walmart, Target, Kroger, Amazon Fresh, etc. Go to Briars.com slash vine to get a coupon to try it out today. Who's that with no TV? Who's that with no TV? Who's that with no TV? Podcast One presents Off the Vine with Caitlin Bristow. Caitlin is creating a space where girls and gents can feel empowered to be themselves. Get ready for lots of laughs, taboo topics, unfiltered advice, and wine. Lots of wine. Get ready to shake things up. Here's Caitlin. Welcome to Off the Vine. I'm your host, Caitlin Bristow. Today on the podcast, I have one of the four members of the Tenderloins who you likely know from the Hidden Camera reality game show, Impractical Jokers. In addition to being one of our favorite comedians, he is also a popular author. And last month, he released a thrilling horror novel to finish out the Awakened trilogy. He's here today to talk all about his career, both in comedy and his new book, which I'm very excited to hear about. So please enjoy this next hour with James. Murray, a.k.a. Murr. So I have to admit, I am very excited to talk to you because I've been a longtime fan of Impractical Jokers. Um, wow, thank you. Yeah, it, it usually like is something I put on like when I crawl into bed and I'm like, oh, I'll put on something to fall asleep. And then I don't fall asleep because I'm laughing so hard. And yeah. I feel like I've tweeted you guys as a fan, like such a loser so many times being like, hey, like, can I come on and can we do like a bit? And nobody responds to me. We've we've never written back. Well, I feel like maybe Joe has because I think his wife was like a Bachelor fan. Yes. So I'm, I'm, I'm gonna tw- I'm gonna tweet you right now. Stop saying, it! Oh my gosh! I'm, I'm gonna tweet you right now saying that yes, you can come on the show and do a bit with us. Okay. <laughs> I, to, uh, I was talking to Joey Fatone the other day, saying like because he gets to be such a big part of the show, and I was like, what the hell? How do I get a job like that? Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I I didn't see the tweet. I would have written back if it did. As soon as my fiance found out that I was doing the pod, this podcast tonight, she lost her mind. By the really? way, she's a massive bachelor and bachelorette bachelorette fan and freaked out. And uh, so there you go. So just like I'm sure Joe's wife freaked out too. So that's awesome. Well, I love that because our two worlds are colliding: the Bachelor and Impractical Jokers. I feel like so many people that are like follow me, and I, I tweeted out that. I was going to be doing a podcast with you and everyone's like, my two favorite worlds colliding. Cause everyone loves oh, wow. it. <laughs> That's great. That's great. It's so freaking good. I always want to know too, like, I'm sure you get asked this all the time. It's probably like the number one question, but now that you guys are like known and people know the show, do people just recognize you all the time now when you're like trying to fool them? It, it, it happens. But remember, you're only seeing one of us, right? So like if you walk into a, uh, you know, supermarket and you see one of us behind the counter ringing you up, if you saw all four of us, you'd be like, oh, my God, those are the guys from Jokers. If you see one of us, you're like, is that the mechanic that I used to you know? Is that, the, is that the guy that is that the guy that works in the pharmacy at CPS? Like, we kind of look familiar, but not enough to really remember. You know what I mean? We That's look like the kind of there. We look like the kind of guys you settle for, you know? <laughs> 
like you could have been my mechanic, but I also could have seen you on TV somehow. That's actually yes. funny because that happens to me sometimes. If people have seen me on The Bachelor or Bachelorette, they'll be like, how do I know you? Like, have we met before? And that happens. So that makes sense. I never even thought of that. Because, yeah, if I saw you all four together, well, I mean, I, I feel like I would recognize you if you're behind the counter or something. But the, the, um, the, funny, the funny thing is when people screw up, screw up how they know us, or they eventually remember, they'll, they'll go like, oh, you, you're on that show, right? The show, I swear I've heard this so many times, you're on the show with the three dicks, right? <laughs> like, yeah, I'm on the show with the three dicks. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> that happens to you a lot like more than a so handful many of times, times. That so many times. oh my gosh yeah. that's so funny okay so for people who are listening who don't know how you guys have all come together can you explain like a, a little bit about how the show started and how you guys all know each other the, the guys and I are best friends we met um, when we were 13 years old in high school and uh, became literally we met the first day of high school, right? I remember meeting Joe distinctly. We were in religion class, and yeah. Miss Fiducia was teaching religion class. And he, you know, Joe has a pretty big nose, right? So <laughs> as she would walk up and down the aisle, he would secretly drop his nose on her elbow, and she had no idea. She's teaching the Beatitudes <laughs> or whatever she's teaching. It was so funny, and uh, we become became friends, all of us, and did improv together in high school, and then. After college, we formed a comedy troupe and did improv together then and sketch comedy. And it took us 11 years to sell Impractical Jokers, 11 years. Really? 11 years? Yep. Yep. Yeah, we, we, we tried other shows and they didn't go. We sold two other pilots to different networks. They didn't go. And then we came up with the idea for Jokers and three times a charm, finally. So it was like an 11-year overnight success story. <laughs> That's so cool. That must be like so rewarding to work that hard or go 11 years. Like what made you not give up and keep going to 11 years? Uh, we did. We had ups and downs and sometimes we would stop and yeah. there's like a two-year gap in the middle where we're like, screw it, it's not going to work. Yeah. And uh, we, always just, we always just found our way back to each other. <laughs> That's so sweet. You know, and- and you all live in the same city now, right? In New York or like around New York? We all grew up in Staten Island, but uh, we all kind of have spread out since then. So Joe's in Long Island. Q and Sal still live in Staten Island. I was in Manhattan for a long, long time and just moved to Princeton with uh, New Jersey with my fiance uh, about eight, nine months ago. Oh, awesome. How did you and your fiance meet? Oh, at one of your book signings, right? We did. You ready for this? This is going to blow your mind. I, I was just... Wait. I was just talking about this the other day to my friends. I was like, we were like, could you imagine? Oh, oh to Darren, my co-writer of my books. Yeah. He's, he, three years ago when I met him, he was in a long-term relationship with somebody else for like 20 years, but they had yeah. no kids, weren't married. And, uh, and he had a cat and that's in, lived in the UK. Three years later, he has a baby, a new wife, lives in Toronto, like total upside down really, uh, world life. Yeah. Three years ago, I was living in Manhattan, a ba- all, uh, you know, consummate bachelor uh, yeah. in relationship after relationship, relationship. None of them was stick were sticking. Had no intentions of ever getting married or ever, ever having children. And then him and I wrote wrote a book together. Then he met his wife through the Joker's cruise. He was on our impractical Joker's cruise. Uh, that a few months later, I met my now soon to be wife. Uh, at my book launch, she came to the after party of the first book, Awakened, and we, we, we hit it off at the party. And I went back to my apartment that night with some of my friends, and I said to them, I was like, did you see that girl at the party that I was talking to? Oh, my God, she was gorgeous. I can't believe it. And, uh, and I said to her, I was like, if she was dating a guy at the time. They were at the end of her, their relationship. Yeah. I said, if you're ever not dating him, you let me know. 
three months late. She broke up with him a week later. Three months later, she finally let me know. We started dating shortly thereafter, and here we yeah. are. Yeah. That's amazing. I love, I love uh, the how people met stories. I think that's so yeah. cute. Um, was she a fan of the books? Like, why was she at the book thing? She, she was a fan of me. Uh, uh, oh, that's so cute. Yeah, she, she, had, uh, she was a fan of me and saw us having a party that night and said, hey, why don't we go by? And she happened to be in Manhattan. She's from Philadelphia. And uh, I'm like, think of all the things that had to go exactly according to that plan for that to happen, right? I mean, if we chose, if we chose a different venue to do the party at, if we decided not to do an after party, if we only did one after party instead of two nights in a row, if, we, if she didn't come into the Manhattan today, if there was traffic and they said, ah, oh, screw it, like I, so many things. I know, that's wild. Little I, decisions along the way. That's yeah. it's so crazy too, because I mean, I, I'm just such a believer in timing, but that same thing happened for me and my boyfriend. Like I, I was not planning on meeting anybody. I just got out of a relationship. I was going to do a podcast with him, but I was like, um, too like mopey about this breakup. I didn't really want to go do it. He had like a sty in his eye and he was like, I could show up the sty in my eye. <laughs> And we were both like trying to find excuses to not do this podcast together. And then we both just decided to do it. And I was actually almost missed my flight because I was just running so behind and I was like, I should just tell him I can't do it. And then we both battled and we did it. And now we've been dating for almost two years. See, there you go. That's I love if it. it, if, it and, if it wasn't for the sty in that eye, you know. <laughs> right? And then it gave him a little bit of confidence after I saw him with the sty and still found him attractive. Yeah. So then he was like, wow. Sure, you've seen him at his worst, basically. Well, not his entire, but, you know, pretty darn <laughs> that, bad. The sty was pretty disgusting. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> seen him at his worst. That's funny. Yeah. Um, I've got a question. Did you know that right now, Geico is offering an extra 15% credit on car, motorcycle, and RV policies. That's 15% on top of the money Geico could already save you. So what are you waiting for? You know what I'm going to say here. Your dog to make you breakfast in bed with Belgian waffles and a fresh fruit compote. By the way, I'm working on that with Pinot and ramen. And as nice as that sounds, that's probably never going to happen. But at least there's never been a better time to switch to GEICO. Save an extra 15% when you switch by October 7th. Visit GEICO.com to learn more. Okay, you released a movie, the Impractical uh, Impractical Jokers movie, right? Yes, we were just crying. Joe Joe and his wife came over yesterday. We were in the pool and stuff. And uh, we were crying laughing at this realization. So we were, I think, the last movie to come out in movie theaters before everything shut down. Like, yeah. I think we were, I think we were the last. We were only in theaters for two weeks before every theater shut down. So in, in, I think it's a blessing. I was like, shoot, we got two weeks in theaters. That was amazing. Like we got, and we had an amazing two weeks. Yeah. The movie did well. It kind of exceeded expectations. The fan base came out in droves to see it. Yeah. And uh, it occurred to us a couple of things. First, because we're like the last movie to come out in 2020, we might be the highest grossing comedy of 2020 <laughs> by forfeit, by forfeit, right? Because there's nothing else going out. Take it. And then second, there was only a month and a half of movies coming out before everything shut down. So we, when the Academy Awards come around in January, we, we might win like 12 Academy Awards because there's, there's no competition. And we were crying laughing at us winning, at the possibility of us winning like, 
best foreign film, best film, best actor, best supporting actors, best animated feature. We win everything. Best music. This is no competition. Oh. Best musical. <laughs> That's <laughs> amazing. Happen. Hey, you know what? Movies yeah. usually drop off after like two weeks anyways. So you guys like got in, you did the movie theater thing, but now can you like, can, you, can we find it somewhere like on TV? Is it on like HBO Max or something? It's everywhere. It's everywhere. Uh, we, we got permission. This is hard to wrangle, but we got permission to get out of the movie theater deal early because the world shut down yeah. and they let us release it streaming a, a full month and a half earlier than it was supposed to, uh, the distributors, you know, so, so we then, uh, so now we can get it anywhere. Amazon prime, Netflix, uh, not Netflix, you know, um, Apple, what is it? You know, yeah, whatever, yeah. anywhere, Apple TV, Roku, yeah. Okay, I'm going to watch that tonight. I actually, until I was doing this research, it's funny because I'm like, such a fan. And then I was like, wait, they have a movie? <laughs> yeah, the, the movie, the, when you watch the movie, keep in mind the punishment at the end of the movie is real. Okay. Okay. And, but don't, uh, I want to ask who gets the punishment, but I don't want to spoil it. I won't spoil it, but whoever did it, and it is real, what you see, it's not a stuntman, there's no green screen. Keep in mind that we took a $15 million life insurance policy out on the guy in case he died doing it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, Kay, when in situations like that, are you not terrified that something like that could happen? Like with the, the what was it, an alligator or crocodile? Like, was that yeah. not the most terrifying thing in the world when you're like, Kay, we had to sign this because that could happen? It, it was, it, 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 yeah, it's, the, the movie's the worst of it. You'll, you'll see when you watch it. The okay. movie's the worst of it. We had to film the punishment for the movie on the final day of production because the only way insurance would cover the movie is if that was the final day that way if the guy died doing it they still had the entire movie done it was already in the can they could still make their money back releasing the movie um, and we probably would have made more money if he died doing it curious yeah, <laughs> oh my god that's insane i always wonder like the behind the scenes of everything you guys do like how what kind of contracts you have to sign and like when you when you run into people and like do something and do your little bit they have do they have to sign something after? Like, do you have to go back and then tell them like, hey, by the way, this was like a thing? Or do they just go on with their day and being like, what just happened? No, we, we have to get their permission afterwards. Yeah. So to this day, we're in season nine of Jokers, 230 episodes in. To this day, we're still trying to convince strangers who don't know who we are to be on television. It's as hard as it was 10 years ago when we started. Yeah, because people are all, you know, about convenience and everyone's in a rush going places and the last thing they want to do is like sit and sign a contract. But I would be like, yes, absolutely. <laughs> put me on. That is amazing. Yeah. I was always hoping I'd be like randomly in New York and you guys wouldn't know who I was and I'd be like play along and be like, yeah, I'll sign. And like you guys wouldn't know that wouldn't happen yeah. though. No, I already told you we're putting you on the show. As soon as we're done with this podcast, you'll see a tweet from me, I swear, saying, uh, come on, be on the show. Okay, okay, well, that makes me very happy. And you can't take it back now because we're recording. I, I, I can't, I can't, nor will I take it back. Okay, I am uh, holding you to that. Um, okay. okay, now tell me also about the Misery Index on TBS that you're starring in, right? Yep, that's our... Okay. Uh, tell me all yeah. about it. The Misery Index is great. It's, uh, do you know Jamila Jamil from The Good Place? Yeah. She's amazing and wonderful. She's the host of the show. The guys and I are uh, the stars of the show. The idea is this. Uh, we, uh, there are two contestants competing uh, to win lots of cash and prizes. Uh, and uh, what they're doing is they're watching these real clips 
from the internet for our newspaper articles. And uh, they have to evaluate where these clips fall on this real index called the misery index. This is a real scale that psychiatrists and psychologists use oh. to rate the impact on somebody's life of an event. So the scale is, you know, physical, uh, uh, physical pain, psychological uh, uh, torture, and long-term impact on your life. And it equates to 100%. And we are like their consigularies. Two of us are with each, each contestant, and we have to talk our way through these clips and figure out where it ranks on, on the misery index and help them guess correctly. It is hysterically funny because we're seeing these clips for the first time. It's a game show. Yeah. We can't prepare in any way. Yeah. We have to see it for the first time with them. Yeah. And we're reacting honestly. And it, basically the show becomes the four of us debating insane things you see and already watch on YouTube. Uh, it's <laughs> a lot of fun. And, and our hearts are in it because there's real money at stake. Yeah. And everybody yeah. competing, every, all these contestants have like, Real things, they, they like, they, you know, one person's like, you know, I never got to take my wife on a honeymoon. It's been 10 years. If I win, I'm going to take her on the honeymoon. And we're like, oh, my God, if you lose, I'm going to give you the money for it anyway. You know, I feel totally. personally obligated to help them win. Oh, it's they have like fun. the sob stories and everything. I wouldn't be able to do that. I feel like I would just, like like you said, I'd be like, well, I'll, I'll take care of you after. <laughs> we'll get you <laughs> yeah, after. find me after. We'll, we'll, rate, we'll start a GoFundMe or something. Kind of like me begging to be on your show. You're like, okay, I'll, after this, I swear to God. You're already on the show. You, you're already going to be on the show. It's not begging. Even though, yeah, okay, not. okay, okay. I'll okay. stop being desperate. Okay. Um, <laughs> that's Okay, that's so funny. I can't wait to. So when will that air? Uh, that airs every Thursday night. Uh, it does? Yeah. Uh, on True TV, right? No, that's TBS. No, TBS. Uh, TBS. I so get the you've got a 10 o'clock on True TV. You've got, you've got uh, Impractical Drovers Dinner Party, which is our new show where we're at home during quarantine having dinner together. Then you switch the channels at 1030 onto TBS, and you can see us on the Misery Index. And, uh, and very soon we go back into production on Impractical Jokers, and you'll see that on TV again, too. So there oh. you go. Gosh, you guys are busy, busy bees over there. That's crazy. The, the dinner party, um, that's, that's while you're in quarantine. So have you guys finished filming that, or are you still going? We, we just finished the first eight, eight, eight episodes and uh, yeah. more episodes to come, hopefully. And uh, it was great. It was fun. It's, it's actually, the show stands on its own. I would love to continue it for years to come because it's, it's it's just insane conversations between best friends and you're like i and then we have you should be on that show too okay we have, so, we have guests pop in to surprise the guys only one the host of that episode knows who's joining so like we had jeff daniels one episode and oh, harris one episode it's great you should be on it too jeff daniels like i mean i always just think of him from dumb and dumber right yep is he yep. what is he like in person He's been very warm to us. He's a, a super fan of the show. Yeah. And we, we got to meet him backstage. At, he was in uh, To Kill a Mockingbird on Broadway for a long time. And we got to meet him. And then he was in, in Jokers. We crafted a challenge just for him and put him in the show. And, uh, and then we just had him in Dinner Party, too. I, I love him. I think he's a great guy. You know? Yeah. We, yeah. He's I really mean, warm. Jim Carrey is like my hero, but I like him, too. I was just watching Ace Ventura Pet Detective this morning. That's so funny. I actually just watched that like two weeks ago. Yeah. Like rewatch it because I was like, this. I just love Jim Carrey. He's I'm well. I'm Canadian. He's Canadian. So there's that. But I just like grew up loving him and thinking he was the funniest person on the planet. He is. He absolutely is. 
I agree. We've heard we've heard that he's a huge fan of Joker's. I see. I could see that. Uh, and uh, we've heard from a couple of people, and I think he mentioned it sometime somewhere in press a while ago. And uh, one day we will also get him in the show too. Maybe in the same episode as you. We'll see. Yeah, totally. Two Canadians on the same level of fame for sure. <laughs> it'll be a, yeah, it'll be yeah, it'll be a very special Canada uh, Canadian episode of Jokers. We'll do it in Toronto. I would love to. That'd be great. <laughs> Have you been to Canada? Yeah, yeah. We tour there. We uh, we were supposed to be there. Gosh, I'm supposed to be there on tour in Toronto in like two weeks, but we Wait, had did to you guys go on tour, tour there in Vancouver? Did you go to Vancouver? No, we we uh, we've toured Montreal and Toronto. And then we were adding Vancouver, I think, this tour. That was the last tour. This yeah. tour, we were doing Montreal, Vancouver. I'm sorry, Toronto. And I think Vancouver, too. Okay, awesome. I'd like to know if you're like me, when you've been spending a lot of time at home, like a lot, a lot, cleaning out closets, basements, garages, and realizing that you have way too much stuff, stuff that you don't even use anymore, and it's taking up space. Well, I have some news for you. People will pay good, good money to buy your stuff on the Mercari app. It's the fast and easy way to sell almost anything and make extra money. Who doesn't want that? In just minutes, you can download Mercari, take pics of your stuff, add a description, and it's listed just like that. Once it's sold, Mercari emails a shipping label. You just stick it on the box, ship it from your home. No meetups, no hassles. Mercari makes it super easy to make a few extra bucks and clear valuable space in your home. The app has over 50 million downloads in all 50 states, so stuff really sells. And the app has over 700,000 reviews on the App Store with an average of 4.8 star rating. People clearly love using Mercari and you will too. Download Mercari to give your stuff a new life. Sell and buy almost anything on Mercari. Find it on the App Stores or on Mercari.com. That's M-E-R-C-A-R-I, Mercari, America's no meetup marketplace. Download today. We'll be back with more Off the Vine with Caitlin Bristow. You're listening to Off the Vine with Caitlin Bristow. You've recently released a third book, right? Have you always yeah. been writing? You have, right? Because you used to write your little, oh, I just got a flashback of your like little film that they aired one time and you guys- You just- know what? <laughs> you know what? Don't, don't, don't go bring up bad memories, okay? Honestly, this is, this is not a roast of myrrh. Okay, hour, I'm just kidding. I'll tell you a funny story. So I, I graduated college a long time ago. And uh, my father had, when both my sisters graduated, he bought them like a cheapo car as a congratulations for the graduation. So he yeah. says, you know, I'm, I'm going to buy you like a, you know, like a five, $6,000 car. Just let me know what you want, right? And he was going to give me like a cheap Ford Taurus or something. And I said, no, dad, no, you keep that money. I said, because what I want for my college graduation is for you to fund my first short feature film. <laughs> I should have taken the goddamn car is what it came down to. Because the film, which they torture me on in Practical Jokers, is the worst. Can I curse? Yeah, of course. Please do. It's, it's, the, worst, it's the worst piece of shit ever made, right? <laughs> and, and what they did to me on Jokers is they found the film from 20 years ago, 10, 15 years ago, whatever. And they, put it on, they brought in this like, British film critic. To, to analyze the movie in front of a live audience. And they watch the movie. I'm sitting in the audience like, oh my God, this is so goddamn bad. And, and then they call me up as the, the, the filmmaker and the, the critic just rips me a new asshole about how bad it is. He goes, you know, um, 
uh, Orson Welles' first film was Citizen Kane. This is your first film. I was like, oh my God, it was so bad. I, and to the, I, it took me 20 years to buy my first car. I only bought my first car a few months ago when I moved yeah. here to the house because I think I was still punishing myself for making that film, no joke. <laughs> Subconsciously, yeah. you were like, just still like not, I, I was. not deserving of a car. I was. I don't think I deserved a new car. I wasn't worthy of a new car yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that's amazing! But you, you have been worthy of books and TV shows and all this. So I love that you just bought a car a few months ago. That's amazing. My first car a few months ago. I never owned one in my life. <laughs> what a feeling! Do you feel like I, I was, a new man? I, I feel it, it is weird. I mean, I I like driving. It's just weird owning one. I'm like, that's my car because I I literally up until five months ago, I still rode, drove a green Huffy bicycle. Stop it! <laughs> so literally, I'd, be, I'd ride my bicycle to set in Manhattan or whatever, and I'd just zip, or I'd zip around. I'd have like one of those little hoverboard things, I'd zip around on that, and that's how I got around. Oh my gosh, you must feel so liberated now. Yeah, I, I, I felt and liberated. Like, it looks like you made it. it. I feel like, I, I, I feel like I've made up for the shit film I made 20 years ago, <laughs> finally. I that finally achieved something. Episode. Did that guy really not know like it was for a show? No, no. He thinks it's part of this event where he has to analyze the film. So he's watching it and he tore it apart. Rightfully so, it sucked. That, that's incredible because I have tweeted before saying like, do we think like all of these are real? And so many people had reached out being like, I actually was on it and, or my sister or my friend and that, like they had no idea. And I was like, yes, that makes me love it so much more. Uh, how that's real great. these situations are that you guys put yourself in. It's, it's just incredible. Okay, but yeah. back to your book. Tell me about this, yeah. this book. So I, uh, the story of the books is this. I always thought loved writing uh, th- thrillers and horror. I have a degree in, in, uh, in English and writing from Georgetown. And I always wanted to write books. Yeah. And a few years after college, I had this idea for a thriller called Awakened. And I spent a, this is 2004. I yeah. spent a year of my life writing a book. But this wow. is long before Impractical Jokers. I didn't know anybody. I had no cousin that worked in publishing. I had no yeah. connections. So I spent a year writing this thriller. I sent it out to every publisher in New York City. And they all returned it to me unopened. They wouldn't even read it because I have an agent. I didn't have a manager. It was unsolicited, no lawyer. And I couldn't get a single person to read it. And uh, fast forward, a decade goes by. I get on TV and Practical Jokers are fan-based, how amazing they are. And, um, And then I send the same exact book, not a word changed, into HarperCollins. And they bought the trilogy from me immediately. And the first book, hit number one on the international bestseller ah. list and hit bestsellers all across America and did really, really well. And Good for you. Was, and then The Brink came out last year and then the final one of the trilogy, Obliteration, just came out like two weeks ago. Yeah. It's like this action-packed, page-turning thriller. You can't put it down. It, it reads like the very best action movie you've ever read. Yeah. And uh, it's like got like cliffhanger endings and it's, it's sci-fi thriller. It's really fun and exciting. It's very readable. And, uh, and that just came out like a week or two ago. Uh, and then we have five more books coming out. Wow. More. Yeah. I was busy last year. I f- sold five new ones. I've got That's Don't Move. Crazy. Don't Move comes out in October. It's, yeah. Uh, you would be great in this movie. Huh? I'm going to sell this movie. Okay. Um, Don't Move is a thriller. It takes Me place in the woods. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that comes out in um, in October. Then 
I have one second. Oh, this is not video, but I'll show you anyway. It's just no, audio, I don't, but I want to know the stow the stowaway. I was literally writing today. The stowaway comes out next April. Wow. Uh, this is uh, from another publisher, and then I have three children's books thrillers coming out starting next summer called Interns of Area Fifty One. It's like a comedy thriller kid series. That's so, amazing. Oh my yeah. gosh. So how, I mean, how long does that process take? I mean, I know your first one, you said for a year you were writing it, but that's, I mean, okay. It's crazy to me that you're doing all this stuff with like <laughs> impractical jokers and all these shows and you're like a comedian in that and being funny. And then you just go home and write these like horror, horror um, books. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so yeah. what, what, what do you prefer? Do you like them both equally or do you like writing better than you like not you're not acting being yourself on tv yeah uh, i think i like i like touring the best being on stage really? and performing oh my god that's that there's nothing better like we did we did a i'll I tell you a funny story so like 12 years ago before impractical jokers 12 years ago the guys and i did a live show in manhattan the, the theater held 30 people yeah. and only two people bought tickets two people bought tickets to see us perform this is before jokers uh in like 2008 Two people bought tickets. The tickets were five bucks each, right? Yeah. And the theater cost us like $65 to rent. So we lost $55 on the night, right? <laughs> it's crazy. And then, then 10 years later, we sold out Madison Square Garden. Wow. Is, and then we sold out five night, uh, six nights at the O2, which is 25000 a night, and six shows at Radio City. And to go from, but it wasn't that long ago. Like I remember that performing for two people. And then yeah. I remember performing for 20,000 people. And when you get on stage after having so many years of failing, yeah. when you get on stage and you experience the energy from the crowd and what the show means to them, which you don't experience when you're right. filming a hidden camera show, right. you're hit, it's hidden. Yeah. I have no idea how it's affecting people in their homes and their families and their lives. And to see that of them there with us in concert, basically holding up signs and t-shirts, it is yeah humbling and overwhelming and the highest of highs you could ever have so yeah. no, nothing beats that nothing I, beats that i can see where you're coming from i mean that would be my goal to do madison square garden like i do small shows with off the vine and and we tour and i absolutely love it for the same reasons like you see how much you've impacted people or you make them smile or you've like you know they all have stories of how they came to watch your show and who they watch it with and what it means to them and that's like my goal in life is to do a, a show as big as 20,000 people. I think my biggest one was like 1,200. That's excellent. That's it, excellent. Yeah, it was so fun. But it's like good for you guys for, you know, it's so crazy to me that there's a lot of people, I think, in our generation now, like who want to see success overnight and certain things happening, like, and they don't realize that the people like you guys or people who have done certain things in life that they don't know the 11 years before that of how hard you were trying or like certain other things about the se selling two tickets um, and, you know, performing for two people and owing the theater $55. Like they don't really know all those stories of how you got there. So I love when people share stories like that. So, yeah. Super cool. Um, uh, I, I, one day, if you do a podcast show in New York, count me in. I'll show up. Uh, that would be uh, awesome. I think I was trying for this next tour that obviously had to get canceled because of everything. Because we were going to come to New York. And I was like, I would love to have, I mean, you especially on out of all the other three dicks. But... <laughs> <laughs> you were the three decks. Come on, the show. On the show. Yeah, you're the three decks. You can leave them at home. You just come on down. 
<laughs> that's what I wanted to have you guys so bad on this next one, but we had to cancel it. But next time. Can I tell you a funny story? So, so uh, you know, in, the name Impractical Jokers does is fine. This, this show plays around the world. Yeah. But in, in many countries, the word impractical does not translate. There's no wor- Belgian word. There's no Dutch word okay. for impractical. Mm-hmm. So what they do is they rename the show around the world. So in, in lots of countries, it's impractical jokers, but in other countries, it's called something else. So for example, in, uh, in Belgian, Belgium, the yeah. show is called Fertervierden, which means, literally means four dicks. I swear. And then in Holland, in Holland, the show is called, this needs no translating. The show is called De, D-E, like one, two words, D-E, De, De f***ers. The f***ers. <laughs> Which I think is hysterical. Do you have to say that or the network gets to pick those names? They pick it. They pick it. So you see the faces, it says The f***ers. And, or Four Dicks. You know, because there's no word in Dutch for impractical. Is there still the Jokers? Yes, it still has a logo and the fonts, everything's the same. <laughs> you know, but it's it, yeah, you know, but it says the f***ers. It says the f***ers in the same Jokers font. Oh, uh, that's incredible. Yeah, I think it's hysterical. That is so funny. I mean, I'm probably going to call you guys up for the rest of time, but it's yeah. <laughs> over here. <laughs> if one day we're on your podcast and you don't introduce us as the f***ers, I'd be very upset. <laughs> but I just say it in that accent. Oh, that's incredible. Um, okay, so we always do confessions in my podcast. And I feel like you probably have a few good ones for me. Or just one. <laughs> Just pick your favorite, confess to me, and I'll forgive you, and all will be well. Oh, it's not you I need uh, forgiveness from. Okay. For this confession. Okay. Well, I've never admitted it to this individual. What happened? Uh, This is, I I keep a list to this day of like the 10 most embarrassing things that have happened to me. And most of them are not on... One or two of them are on Impractical Jokers. The rest are just for my personal life, yeah. life, right? So up there, like top, maybe it's number four, most embarrassing things that ever happened to me. I have ne- to this day never confessed that I did it, but I'm here telling you that I did it. I'm the one that did this, okay? <laughs> so, so I used to live in Manhattan, uh, right? And I lived on the 56th floor of a high rise. Okay. And uh, my, uh, my apartment has an elevator bank that goes express from the lobby to 40, and then goes to the upper floors, right? So you bypass the lower floors, and that's how you get it to the upper floors of the, the building. So when you're in the elevator and you're going down, when you hit like 44, 43, 42, and if the elevator hasn't slowed down, chances are, you're going express right to the lobby. No one else is getting the elevator. You're, you're in for the next minute alone. So I'm in the elevator going down to the lobby and it's like 45, 44, 43, 42. I'm like, okay, no one else is getting this elevator with me. I'm fine. And I let out the worst fart of my life. It was, it was the worst. It like, like the, it echoed and it was I, I would have killed a small child if they were in there. It was so bad. It was so bad. But I'm like, I'm in the ele- elevator alone. It's already at 42nd floor. We're fine. Right. You That's always when it, yeah. The elevator suddenly slows down and I panic. 
the doors open and the most beautiful woman, other than my fiance, the most beautiful woman in my apartment building gets in the elevator. I, I panic. So I get out on the 42nd floor, right? She gets in, I get out because I panic. All these years of improv training, it doesn't mean shit because I panicked and froze. First, because she's gorgeous. Second, because she's walking in into, into your, your hell, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I wa- she walks in, I walk out. And as the doors close, I hear her say, oh my God, right? And the doors <laughs> close, right? The doors close. I, I, I'm so embarrassed, my face is bright red. I wait like, you know, four or five seconds. I'm like so embarrassed. I turn around, I hit the elevator button again to go back down to the lobby. I didn't wait long enough. It, and the doors yeah. reopen and no. she's staring at me. She's staring at me knowing that it had to be me. And I just stared at her. <laughs> And I, I looked at her and I said, I'm on the wrong floor. And the doors closed again. And I left her, I left her to die. I left her to die in the elevator with, I was clearly on the wrong floor. I, and, and, and I'm here to confess to her, if she's listening, I was the one that farted that day. You know who I am. I'm, I'm Murr from the 56th floor. Yeah. Okay, how long ago was this? This was last year. <laughs> I hope she, one, knew who you were, and two, listens to this podcast, because then I'm going to have her call in and talk and try and explain your fart in a sentence. (laughs) The story continues, but like a a few weeks later, I get in the elevator in the lobby, and there's like three or four more people, and she walks on. It's the first time I'd seen her since that moment, and she said said, uh, hello to everybody in the elevator except for me and ignored me entirely. And I, I know she has to know, she has to know. It's like, it's this unspoken, it's, it, it's, the, it's the silent but deadly elephant in the room. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh my gosh. And you didn't run into her like any time after that? That was the last time just in that group when she avoided you? So I, she might've moved out of the building because of that incident, who knows? <laughs> I mean, she sounds traumatized. She was. I, I, I was so embarrassed. I was so embarrassed. I ended up, then I got in my head. I started thinking when the doors reopened, I was terrified to go back in the elevator. So I walked from the 42nd floor up to my floor, the 56th floor. I walked the staircase embarrassed. I just, I stayed in the building. I never left. I waited a full hour before I left the building. I was too embarrassed. Oh my gosh. That's one of my favorite confessions. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's always like, that, that's like a nightmare. That's like, that's my real hell right there is farting in an elevator and a hot guy getting in knowing I did it. <laughs> right. I, but I could have said anything. I could have said anything. Anything. If I could have said. Go back and redo it. What would you have said? I know you've replayed this in your mind a few times. I, I, I did. I would have said, I would have smiled and said, don't blame me. It was the last guy that, that just got out. Or, or you know what I mean? Anything. Like, That's but, what the kind of joke like, always says, though. Like, 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 hey, we're in this together, and I should have stayed there with her instead of being, you know, just being a coward and leaving her to die in the trenches. Yeah, you, you should have held her hand through that one. Yeah, I should have been there and be like, oh my god, can you believe this? We're in it together, kind of thing. Let's yeah. let's get down to the lobby. Yeah, you <laughs> could have not been in Philadelphia right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're right. You're right. Uh, Thanks for listening to today's podcast, which is made possible by our friends over at Breyers Carb Smart, partnering with American farmers for 100% grade A milk and cream. 
By now, you've probably heard us raving about our new favorite frozen treat, Breyers Carb Smart, available in tubs and bars with yummy flavors like caramel swirl, chocolate covered almond, vanilla, and peanut butter, each with only 150 calories or less and three to five grams net carbs per serving. Breyers Carb Smart is the perfect frozen treat for all those hot summer days, and because we love it so much, we'd like you to try it too. So here's a special offer for our listeners from Briars Carb Smart to satisfy your next sweet tooth craving. Just go to briars.com slash vine to get a special $2 off coupon. Yep, $2 off to enjoy these delicious Briars Carb Smart frozen treats. My mouth is already watering. The perfect companion to your low carb lifestyle. That's briars.com slash vine to print your $2 off coupon. And then pick up your favorite Briars Carb Smart flavors at Walmart, Target, Kroger, Amazon Fresh, or wherever you shop. We'll be back with more Off the Vine with Caitlin Bristow. Hey guys, Jessica Nixon here from the hit podcast Now What? And this week I welcome Kaj Larson and Amaryllis Fox from Netflix hit show The Business of Drugs. Take a listen. Big Pharma as a as a an industry is out of control and the the perception that drug abuse and enrichment from drug abuse is a problem that um, you know is restricted to the shadows and is kind of the drug dealer on the corner um, was one of the things that I think we really wanted to challenge because the reality is that the drug dealer at the pill mill or uh, the pharmaceutical company that's putting these ads on TV, knowing that, uh, you know, all of the addictive properties are there, um, are actually doing far more damage than any street corner peddler could have the scale or capability to do. So don't miss Now What? This Wednesday and every Wednesday on Podcast One. Off the Vine with Caitlin Bristow. Okay, I have one quick game for you, then we're going to have a couple um, listener questions, and then I will let you go. Um, okay. But this game is obviously a play on your show, The Mi- the Misery Index, where you rate mm-hmm. situations from 1 to 100 on basically how embarrassing and miserable they are. So here's some real confessions that I found, and I want to hear how you're going to rate them. Okie doke. Okay. Um, getting caught naked on the Google Maps camera car. Oh, this is a real story. Yeah. This is a real thing, right? Yeah. I think I've seen this clip. There was a guy, yeah. And I think there was uh, somebody else got caught cheating on Google, <gasps> Google Maps. Yes. Can you imagine? No. I think getting caught. I, That's I think karma. Getting caught naked, I think getting caught naked is low. I think it's like 34. Getting caught okay. cheating is like a 72. Okay. <laughs> 72. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay. Um, sending a nude to the wrong person. Hmm. I think it really depends on who. Is it a, a relative? Embarrassing. Is it a boss? Very embarrassing. Is it, an, you know, I think... It's uh, a relative. A relative. Like grandma? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, yeah. Or great aunt Lillian. Grandma. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you you send a picture of the deed to Gray Aunt Lillian. <laughs> grandma Grandma Aunt Catherine. Lillian doesn't ha- doesn't know how to work pictures on her phone. Though, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's still using a flip phone. That's okay. Yeah, yeah, uh, you know, if you send grandma the D, uh that's gonna be pretty high up there. That I think that's 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 legacy. That's family legacy. That's you're never gonna live that down. You might give her a heart attack. Who knows? You know, she, I, I, I think that's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be like a 58, pretty high. Okay. 
Okay, pretty high. Um, yep. Getting the same Postmates driver twice in one day. The same Postmates driver? Yeah. I've heard of Postmates. What is it? Oh, it's like a food delivery, like Uber Eats. So it's like Uber Eats or Seamless or Grubhub? Yeah. Getting the same guy in one day? Yeah. I, that happens to me all the time. Okay, thank you, because that was going to be my confession. That happened to me. And, and I was like, I mean, that could be a confession, but I don't feel too bad about that. It's almost impressive that, like, you get the same guy twice. Like, it's like... Yeah, that's not embarrassing. I, is, it, would the embarrassment be from your order? Like, it, it depends on what you order, too. If each time, and it's only you in the house, and each time you ordered four large meat lovers pizzas, and it's just you alone, I'd be like, you know, it's a little embarrassing, maybe. Okay, but, I can show you the receipts. I ordered McDonald's the first time, pizza the second yeah, that's, you know, <laughs> you said, you so now you're adding some color to the conversation and it right. gets more embarrassing. Yeah. Uh, I still think it's relatively low. I still put it at like a, a 16. Yeah. Like I was almost proud when I answered the door and I was like, yeah, round two, here we go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was also super high. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions from listeners and then I will let you get back to your dog and your fiance. Okie doke. Um, okay. Mrs. Latina doctor, perhaps? Um, okay. How long before it happens are the punishments planned, and how do you guys decide what it will be? Good question. Uh, the punishments sometimes are planned a year in advance. We have punishments that are still in the works that have wow. been in the works for three years now. Wow. Uh, the, the longest punishment we ever had took a year to make that we were actually doing it and, and filming it all yeah. throughout a whole year before we revealed it. I'd say the average punishment uh, gets thought of a, a few weeks before. They're the last thing we film for an episode because they have to be precisely right, you know, and tailored toward that guy. Yeah. Uh, so I, the, the, the key is this. Don't ever leave the room. That's what it comes down to. So like if the three of us are hanging, if the four of us are hanging out and one guy leaves the room to go to the bathroom, to make a phone call, he'll come back in to the writer's room or to dinner or whatever. And the other guys will be like, shh, 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 and you're like, and you're like, God damn it. I shouldn't have left because they're planning something against me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally. That's okay. Does, I don't know who asked this, but I know I saw it on here. Does Sal really think everything is that funny that he like almost pukes and falls over? He does. He, he, he's actually physically thrown up on set. <laughs> yeah. That is uh, so funny. I'm not entirely convinced my marriage is real, by the way, because <laughs> Melissa might be just a punishment on the show. It might be a long con, you know? I have oh no my, idea. What if, this all, what if they reveal at the wedding that it's all been <laughs> like a, you know, a prank? I mean, that's a hell of a punishment. Wait, I am scared for you. Could you imagine? <laughs> because they convinced you one time some girl had a crush on you and you were like so convinced that you were vibing with her. Oh my yes. gosh. That, is, that would be the ultimate. Tell me you would not be their friend anymore if they did the, that one to you. I, I, I don't know how to, it would never have. I, I, I don't know. Because they've done it to me before. You saw it. Yeah. I was, there was a girl flirting with me on the show. She was beautiful. Yeah. I was flirting back. We had plans as to what we might do, where we might go on our first date. And, uh, and she was into it. And then they revealed was, she was just a paid actress. They paid to flirt with me. And, uh, and, then, and then after that, so we finished filming that day. And I go up to her. I was like, hey, I, I know this joke is really funny. 
Um, but if you're ever interested, here's my actual number. And she never called me. <laughs> <laughs> the joke that just like, that never, yeah. like, it's just always funny for all of us and not you. Yeah. So when, when the challenge was over and I gave her my number again, she didn't take it. <laughs> so oh my go. gosh. That is freaking amazing. Um, okay. Oh, that's so funny. I didn't even see, this Cassidy girl just asked that a question about that. Okay. Kendall Mason says, how did it feel to wear Q's hair for a whole season? Um, please tell me someone washed the wig for him. No, 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 no. The punishment was that you I could wash not it. wash it. So I wore it for six months through the New York City summer, filming every day outside. It was disgusting. It smelled like pot and whiskey. That's it. So I, I just had a head. I would have to go home after filming every day and scrub what little hair I have left uh, to get rid of the, the pot and whiskey smell from Q's actual hair. Okay, hype, ready for this? Yeah. How much do you think that wig costs to make? Keep this in mind. We flew the country's best wig maker to Manhattan to do this. He cut the hair off Q's head and put it back together in the exact order each follicle was wow. on Q's head to make the wig. How much do you think the wig costs to make? Okay, well, when you say that, I'm going to go with $2,500. $10,000. It's a $10,000 wig. Yes. It's a $10,000 joke. Pot and whiskey? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was like, for $10,000, you couldn't get the smell of pot and whiskey out? Come on. <laughs> yeah, like this. throw in a free shampoo, for God's yeah. sake. You got to Febreze that shit. <laughs> Wait, that's so funny. So does, is that what Q smells like? Because now I just think he smells like pot and whiskey. That's pretty much his scent. That's, yeah, yeah I think that's his natural, you know, aroma. <laughs> <laughs> what, what would you say Joe's natural aroma is? I feel like, he, <laughs> well, he's vegan, so it's changed. Before, uh, he used to smell like gravy, I guess. <laughs> or or, or, or donuts. Maybe, yeah. maybe donut. <laughs> yeah. He smells like a donut hole. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, now, okay. What is, what sounds? Is- Sal, Sal smells like paranoia or fear. <laughs> Why is yeah. he so scared of everything? Yeah. Uh, I think he smells like what fear would smell like manifested. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Now what would you, what was, what's your aroma? <laughs> <laughs> this is a funny game. I think I smell like red lobster. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think I smell like a Cheddar Bay Biscuit from Red Lobster, that's if I had a oh, guess. Oh, dang. Okay, at first I was grossed out, but now I want a Cheddar uh, Biscuit. See? Yeah. There you go. There you go. <laughs> one, of, one of my favorite games I've played so far on this podcast. Um, uh, okay, I feel like I've asked you all these. Okay, what was the worst? Lindsay wants to know what the worst punishment you've ever faced was, in your opinion. Oh, uh, you know... There's a couple that come to mind. The de- we did a punishment where they stripped me down and had me in a little like speedo, and they yeah. greased me up and uh, told me I had to compete in a bodybuilding competition. Yeah. And uh, and when I walked into the room where I thought the bodybuilding competition was, there was no competition. It was Danica McKellar who played the character of Winnie Cooper on the TV show The Wonder Years in the 80s. She was like my childhood crush from 30 years ago. She was there in a gown looking gorgeous and I'm, I have my nipples out and I'm all greased up and I had to interview her. It was so mortifyingly embarrassing. And the second one that comes to mind is here. Now I know this is only audio, but you'll appreciate it. Okay. They, shaved, they shaved my eyebrows off 
for punishment. Oh my gosh, I remember and, that. And I take pride in my eyebrows and how yeah. nice they're shaped. Yeah. And I got a, they made me get a driver's license photo with no <laughs> eyebrows, which what they don't tell you on TV is that this license is my license still until 2024. This is a 10-year punishment. <laughs> it's, a t it's still my license. It's a 10-year punishment where I look like a, a potato that just got dumped. You do look or, like a potato. I, yeah. Or I look like Lex Luthor's penis. <laughs> that is Those are two very accurate things that you look like. That's so funny. Have you ever had that, like, you have to use it and people be like, that's not you? I, well, yes, because I my 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 passport has Q's hair on it, and my driver's license photo has no hair. It, it, oh, they just like with my forms of identification. You know, that's all they, the the whole show just with my look. That's all they do. And wait, what tattoo did you have to get a tattoo, or who got a tattoo? I have a ferret skydiving tattoo on my thigh right there. <laughs> Sal Sal has. Well, I don't want to spoil this for you if you're going to watch the Joker's movie. You know, Sal has a Jaden Smith tattoo on his leg. Yeah. I don't want to spoil anything, but in the Joker's movie, the tattoos come back for a second time. I'll leave it at that. Yes. And who knows? Maybe Jaden Smith is in the Impractical Joker's movie too. Oh my gosh. That's, it. I was thinking about that today while I was like preparing for this. I was like, I wonder if Jaden Smith ever said anything or like was like, yo man, cool tattoo. You are going to love the Jaden Smith scene in the Joker's movie. Oh my gosh, I am watching this tonight. Again. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, a lot of people actually want to know when you're getting married, which has been an ongoing question. Do you guys have a date? We do. Uh, we're getting married this fall is what I'll say. <laughs> we, are, we, we do have a fall wedding. It's uh, coming along. It's it's getting here very quickly, and uh, and we're proceeding according to plan. You know, we had to cut the list in half. Yeah. So like the BS, the BS third and fourth cousins, they got the boot. Yeah. So we didn't want them there anyways. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> That's amazing. Um. Well, where can everyone find you on like social media and and anything else you want to share? I'll do. Can I do like a swipe up on my story for your book? Yes, please. That'd be great. The new book is Obliteration. I appreciate it. You can get it on Amazon or Barnes and Noble or wherever books are sold. Mm -hmm. uh, the uh, the one that comes out this fall is called Don't Move. You can pre-order signed copies of that now on uh, FountainBookstore.com uh, or go to uh, Mysterious Galaxy and they'll have it on their homepage to so get an autographed copy. Uh, and uh, you can go to um, you know uh, any any you got easy to find. And I'm gonna tweet you. Just find me on social media. I'll retweet you. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was so fun having you. I am just such a huge fan of you and the three other dicks. And I just uh, can't wait to meet, meet in person in New York one day. I'm so glad you love the <laughs> as much as we do. <laughs> love the Thank you so much. Have a good night. Thanks Tell your fiance me. I say hi. I will. Okay. Bye. Bye. I'm Caitlin Bristow. I'll see you next Tuesday. Thanks for listening to Off the Vine with Caitlin Briscoe. Get new episodes every Tuesday exclusively on PodcastOne.com, the Podcast One app, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Who's that 
with OTV. Coming to Live by Live Thursday, July 30th, Darius Rucker's Darius and Friends virtual concert benefiting St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Catch an exclusive one-time-only performance by Darius Rucker live from the Grand Ole Opry stage featuring guest appearances by Clint Black and Tracy Lawrence. All proceeds from the show benefit St. Jude. So get your tickets today at livexlive.com slash Darius and tune in July 30th at 8 p.m. Eastern only on Live by Live.